All right. Got the Buffum updates. We're live now. I'm Chico, Big Dog Chico. I got my man, man, Adam with me. And uh, to start us off, you know, we wanted to do this weekly um, and get together and discuss the updates, the news, uh, the trending things that goes on uh, with Colorado Buffaloes football. And um, this week, we have some topics to discuss, and uh, we'll just throw them out there. But we're going to start off first and introduce ourselves to both of our audiences because we are we are broadcasting live on my page. You can find us on YouTube, Big Dog Chico, uh, on YouTube, for, also on Adam's page and uh, Buff Stampede. So, Adam, go ahead and let everybody know who you are, what you do, and uh, where you're checking in from. Well, first, I'm excited about this collaboration because uh, you've had a lot of good YouTube content out there, and we got a chance to meet briefly this past year, but we haven't had a chance to, to collaborate like this uh, to this point. And uh, your, your prime parents series is is one of my favorite things when I have some time to, to tune into that. Uh, just the other day, I was watching uh, the interview you did with Khalil Benson's mother, and it's just it's really good content, and it really gives folks out there. Uh, even more reason to, to root for these young men, right? When you know about their backstories. And so uh, it's just a really cool idea and something that uh, I was a fan of. And so now being able to talk about different topics on a regular basis, that's going to be pretty fun. Uh, I work for buffstampede.com on the 24-7 Sports Network, which is owned by CBS Sports. And uh, I've been covering the Buffs for, for quite a while. I, I was lucky enough to get an opportunity to cover Colorado for Rivals.com coming out of college in July of 2020, uh, 2003. Uh, so it's been a long time. And, uh, you know, there, there's been some rough seasons in there, but, and it wasn't for lack of ambition. I just really grew an attachment to, to Colorado and, and I always knew that at some point somebody would see uh, Colorado for, uh, you know, more than just being, you know, a middle of the level or, or in some years really struggling as a program, but saw it as a program that could attract attract top level players. And, and Coach Prime coming to Boulder has really rejuvenalized not only the program, but, you know, those that that covered the buffs because it, it, it was tough in 2022. They ranked dead last out of 131 FBS programs in scoring margin. Uh, as much as you got to stay unbiased at times in this gig, it, it still wears on you. And so uh, it's been a fun ride here the last 14 months and really looking forward to the future. I, I'm i sick of, as much as I love my family and friends, I'm sick of being home around the holidays. So hopefully this is the last holiday season uh, with Coach Prime at the Helmet CU where, where uh, we don't have a bowl game uh, to be talking about and in, to getting out uh, into cover. And Chico, I'm, I'm curious to, to hear your backstory uh, um, and, and kind of your your past and what, what got you – following along with coach prime and what he does, uh, with, uh, at Jackson state and, and now Colorado. Well, I'm, I'm, I appreciate that. Adam. Uh, I'm one of those guys, I guess, coach prime brought along with him indirectly unofficially to Colorado. <laughs> I, I would like to say, um, but I started covering Co coach prime, uh, before, uh, or right along when he got to Jackson state with the intrigue, of course, of Shador Sanders, I was watching what Shiloh was doing at uh, USC, uh, Southern uh, uh, South Carolina, but uh, I wasn't really covering it online for YouTube or anything of that nature. I was just really a fan from that point. But I have a past in YouTube doing music videos, actually, and also um, uh, just 
documenting my my family life and uh my coaching back when i was doing youth football coaching and then got into coaching at a small college in my hometown and uh but before that i actually played football um uh, from Selma, alabama you know so i'm from what i like to call the the heart of the heart of the south <laughs> right in the in the middle of the south so i'm from Selma. uh we we played football forever i had offers to go all type of places i ended up going to university of alabama birmingham uh played ball there uh lettered there did a did my thing there at tight end um ended up playing uh arena football and overseas in austria which i i loved and i got a worldly experience doing that um after that i was um with all the experiences there i came back home and and did some entrepreneurship type things and and working for myself and uh, coaching and mentoring kids and doing the music videos, like I said, working with different businesses to amplify their uh, client base. And so I, I was doing that a lot. And I was doing working a job here in Hawaii that I can't that I was able to come out here and live here uh, based from football and uh, playing in Hawaii Bowl uh, with UAB. And so I decided I was like, man, you know, I love everything back home to come here. Do I want to just work a regular job? Or do I want to get back into this YouTube thing? Because I was, you know, monetized and profitable, you know, doing the, the marketing music thing. But that got scratched <laughs> once I came out here and um, working a regular job. And when Coach Prime decided to start back coaching, I said, this could be big. This is a guy who I followed forever anyway uh once i when i was a little kid playing baseball a lot of people don't know but if you if you know you know they called me or i had them call me however you want to put it they called me prime time i was prime time <laughs> when i <clears throat> excuse me when i learned to drive uh when i had my first car my number was eight so i had pt8 on the front of my car prime time eight <laughs> so i was that guy right and so uh when he decided to get into coaching i said man this is going to be a huge story this is something i can cover and i know in youtube you have to find something you're passionate about something you're not going to get burned out about i said this is something i'll watch each and every day so i might as well report on it and i hate working this job that i'm at but this is something i feel like i can do so long story short i started doing it dedicated myself to it every day the pandemic came around also Everybody was sitting down, so I really had to, uh, you know, hone in on something, a niche, and uh, that what it became to be, a niche. And um, I focused on that. Got some recognition from Coach Prime somehow. I know I'm being long-winded. Got some recognition from Coach Prime. Somehow it came across his desk, and uh, that kind of gave me that, that battery in the back. Okay, if he likes it or if he, you know, can even just understand it and digest it, I'm not speaking a foreign language. I can do what I do. Um, uh, I have a, uh, I, I wouldn't say a journalistic background, but you know, English and things of that nature was my favorite subject in school writing and, and speaking. So um, it was something I said, you know, I could do this. So why not take advantage of the time and opportunity that, that we have now with the pandemic and YouTube and the platform to do it and the topic to do it. Let's go in full force. And that's what I did. Travis came out here for the Polynesian Bowl. I cover that and off and running then so uh, i've been going ever since uh then and i hope to continue to do what i'm doing because this is something i went to school as a communications major at, at uab so this is something that i felt like i will be doing in some capacity and um 
And now here I am. Now I'm talking to to you, you know. And <laughs> you know, I, I was pleasured uh and able to meet yourself and a bunch of other journalists that was there uh for the Nebraska game in that room. And I'm curious to know to bring this back around to you. Has that room ever been filled that much? Because this was a small room uh and it was tight in there and hot. You know, have you ever seen it like that before? Yeah, it didn't smell great in there. That's for sure. Uh, no, that I'm trying to think. There were a number of occasions the TCU post game was pretty cramped in there as well. Uh, it's night and day. I mean, there would have been more people obviously post game uh, than you'd get for a weekly uh, press conference. But I would venture to guess three times as many people and there's probably are a lot more people that want to get in there, but there's a certain point where nobody else can fit into that room. Uh, and so, no, it was uh, a unique experience just kind of, uh, but it's also great in getting a chance to meet you in, in Colin with life and football and kind of, it's kind of the, the Colorado media family has, has grown bigger too, which is, is great because uh, we do such a good job of collaborating with each other. Um, and so it, it's been really fun. I, have done the other side of things where you're covering a struggling team and there's only a couple of you in the post game press conference. I, I would much rather have to kind of fight for, for a spot to stand uh, and to have their riveting, be riveting football that we're covering. Uh, but, and I want to throw it back to you. I want to know, I want to go back to the UAB playing days. I want to know what, what type of football player you were. What type of football player I was. You want me to tell it or you want me to. Tell it? <laughs> yeah. I, I want to hear it from you. <laughs> Well, for me, um, uh, type of football player I was, the simple question. I felt like I was um, a, a I was a football player in the true essence of it. I was a guy that should have been staying on the field like a Travis Hunter. You might, oh, Travis Hunter, come on. I No, not that uber-type athlete, but I played tight end and defensive end. I was recruited coming out of high school by every SEC school uh, to play outside linebacker or defensive end, or what you would call now like the buck position, like where we have Jordan Dom Dominic playing. That That's what I mainly got recruited as and offered by Georgia, Auburn, Tennessee. Uh, I told Alabama no because they were on uh, probation at the time, and I didn't like the coach. I think it was Franchoni or something. I didn't like the coach, but I came up as an Alabama fan listening to them on the radio. So uh, I wanted to stay in state, and uh, my recruiter, George Pugh, who played at Alabama and who also coached in my hometown, he was able to wrangle up a, a great, um, I felt like a recruiting class at that time that included myself, Roddy White, uh, Daryl Hackney, and a few others. Um, and we ended up going to the first bowl game out here in Hawaii. So uh, I, was, I, I ended up as the leading, what they say, leading, all-time leading receiver at tight end at the position at the time. But then a guy from my hometown, Jeffrey Anderson, came out and he – got more stats than me but um you know if you ask people about they'll say hey he was a a, a, a good tight end a, a nice shannon sharp type receiving tight end great hands uh can run routes and uh, a willing blocker also i was a guy that played h-back uh tight end and slot receiver in my career just on the offensive side of the ball so that kind of could tell you some of my versatility i was lead blocking on a guy like thomas howard uh at utep back in the day who played with the Raiders, but I was also catching passes and uh, crossing routes on Omar Gaither, who played with the Eagles, and Jason Allen, who played in the league also. So I played against some great guys, and uh, but I did my thing, yeah. But, you know, you, you can get 
lost in the shuffle to go to the league. And that's why I went back and started uh, coaching and helping out guys to let them know that, hey, you know, you, you, you have to have an agent. You got to have your business in place or else you the opportunity can, can come and then it can go just like that. Real quick story I had um, on draft day. I decided not to go with an agent um, based off the bad advice I got. And uh, I was sitting there fielding draft calls alone by myself on draft day. So I got offered to come to camp uh, by the Philadelphia Eagles, Tennessee Titans, Tennessee Titans and um, um, uh, New York Giants. But that all fell by the wayside because I didn't have the capabilities to receive a fax number um, to receive a fax to receive the contract and sign the contract and send it right back. So if anybody ever went through that or know about that, they know the process of being a free agent on gra- on draft day. So that's my that's, the, the last part there is obviously a, uh, a bummer, but it was really cool hearing about uh, kind of your, your background in, in playing football. My, we had very different paths to get to where we are right now. Uh, yeah. Growing up, my uh, best friend, uh, ended up being the all-time leading scorer in McAllister basketball history. And uh, so I knew pretty early that the writing was on the wall when I couldn't beat him one-on-one ever, yeah. that I be- better figure out a different path if my love for sports is going to come out. So, uh, yeah, no, I and I think that's a blessing in disguise. It, it got me to realize pretty early on that uh, it wasn't going to be me uh, making the plays, but, but rather covering it. Exactly, yep. yep. That kind of happened to me in basketball. Um, I was a six foot one and a half center uh, because our center quit on us. And uh, I thought I was pretty good. You know, we knocked off the number one team in the state and then we went on to the next round and they had six foot seven, six foot seven, six foot ten, six foot. And I tried to get a rebound. All I saw was arms. <laughs> I was like, oh, OK, well, this, this is the end of the road for me in basketball. <laughs> so the writing is usually on the wall unless there's no at, at, at some point. So, uh, yeah, man, good to know. And what, where is that you're from again? So I was born in Minneapolis, moved to uh, Phoenix, where I went to Arizona State and uh, kind of sharing our story. The the first person player that I ever interviewed uh, as a student at Arizona State was Dustin Pedroia. So just kind of a really cool first guy to ever interview. I was so nervous. Uh, I probably didn't make a whole lot of sense as I was trying to get my questions out. But uh, And then uh, moved out here basically a month after, uh, you know, graduating college and, and the rest has been history. And, um, you know, it's, uh, it doesn't feel like it's been 20, 21 years or whatever it's been. It, it, it despite some, some of those rough seasons, it, it's been a blast. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I know now, nowadays though, and since coach prime has come there, since just the news of coach prime coming out, I know things have been shaken up and, and changed all the way, which a uh, way around in Boulder, uh, tell me about that experience. I guess we could start there and move forward. Uh, just about Coach Prime coming there and how things went from, you know, normal to him coming to having a, a, the season he had last year, and now the expectations coming up now. Like he said, it went from hope, and he gave you guys that, gave all of us that, to now expectations. Well, I'll say this. Before Coach Prime came to Boulder, you could go to a, a local grocery store in the Denver-Boulder area, and, and you might see a, a CU shirt, maybe two, if you're going to spend about half an hour, 45 minutes in there. Um, now you can't go down an aisle without seeing CU apparel. People are just 
he really has brought an enthusiasm back uh, to, to Colorado football. And it's not that it was completely lost. Even back in 2022, they only won one game against Cal at Folsom Field. And, and the, there was a, a really good crowd that day, and folks rushed the field. They they just were starved to be able to have that, that pride and, and to be that excited about uh, what's being built. And, and obviously, uh, you know, there were some rough moments as the season progressed after that that Stanford game, but um, because Coach Prime so quickly got back in the portal and reloaded uh, this whole roster, uh, and there's very few holes in this roster when you really dissect it, and so that is then again kind of shifted maybe some of the disappointment over four and eight right back to being super pumped up about what they can accomplish in 2024, and in uh, you really got to take a second to smell the roses this year because uh, Shador Sanders and, and Travis Hunter have one year left in Boulder. And so um, hopefully folks are, are, are going to do that. They're really going to appreciate this run, but uh, the, the level of excitement's unlike anything I've ever seen. There was a nice stretch back in, in 2016 when they won the PAC 12 South title. And then they, there's the glory days, obviously that, you know, with Bill McCartney and they had some success under Gary Barnett early in his tenure, but um it, it di didn't really draw national headlines the way that it is right now, where you turn on ESPN and, and they're talking about Colorado football. We just haven't had that before. Yeah, yeah, that that's amazing, man. I, I, I was lucky enough to come, and I think I picked this one because of it being Coach Prime's first home game. And then just so happened that all these, I think it was uh, Fox showed up, put it, first Nebraska game was it Fox and ESPN or I think it was just Fox I saw Mark Ingram uh Matt Leinart all these people floating around I ran into a T.O. you know just so many people I met my my one of my idols on the football field Michael Irvin shouts out to him Shannon Sharp who I mentioned earlier Stephen A. Smith all of these people are now in Boulder Colorado and I think everybody's planning to come back again this year like it's the place to be how could you even have seen that coming imagine that how has that been for yourself well, yeah <laughs> yeah you definitely picked a, a great first uh game to attend uh and i will say though Stephen a he's gonna start talking down on boulder you know uh he's trying to get uh coach prime out of colorado uh he's being honest and, and i'm just having fun with this but uh yeah. uh yeah, so we got to get him back out to, to Boulder more times so that he starts to warm up a, a little bit more towards it. But no, it, it was that was that was a pretty special Saturday. And part of what and I talked about Colorado fans being starved, and, and a lot of that was being starved for something they could be proud in and, and really enjoy watching. But I think there was also uh, this feeling of, of rivalry coming back into the picture because. When Colorado left the Big 12 to go to the Pac-12, they left Nebraska, and Nebraska went to the Big 10, obviously, and Missouri uh, goes to the SEC. And so some of these rivalries, uh, and, and they had kind of a history with, with Oklahoma and Texas as well, those rivalries were gone, and you were trying to manufacture new rivalries in the Pac-12, and they tried to make Utah Colorado's rival, and it just never really yeah. developed into anything. And so being able to have some of these non-conference games about against Nebraska now brings up some of those old feelings of animosity towards them, which in college football is good. It makes it fun. And so uh, I'm glad you got a chance to kind of experience that. And there were still quite a few Nebraska fans there, but 
uh, less than there had been in the past. Uh, Colorado fans really, really showed out um, and made it a, a really fun atmosphere th that, that day. Yeah, people were telling me because I, I mentioned how that whole section over there were, was was red. What is that? One on one? Maybe it was it was just red over there. And then someone said, usually, you know, this whole extra section would be red too. They would have that whole side over there. So yeah, it was great to see how everybody came out. So content creators, like I said, shout out to Destroying, who's out here in Hawaii now doing something, and just so many people I saw there. So uh, great experience for me out and. Like I said, I shook you guys. I was able to meet yourself. Shout out to Brian Howell and everybody else who was in the building. Uh, I was able to shake you guys' hands, just introduce myself. Who knew that we would actually <laughs> be doing this now and be discussing some of these topics? So what we wanted to do was come together and um, go through some of the, the week's uh, happenings and such and uh, just kind of break them down for everybody can kind of get a summer summary of what happened this week and then if you miss out of anything we can cover it then do the same thing weekly and uh just break it down for everybody so um i guess we can start on number one right let's do it <laughs> all right uh the first one i have up here would be thoughts on the new buff offensive line um you can go ahead and start it off what are your thoughts on the new buffs offensive line with the additions that we have now made well, I, I I think it's natural to compare the incoming group on the offensive line compared to the in group incoming group that they had coming in on the offensive line last year in, in the group that just really never was able to get it together to protect Shador Sanders and ended up being one, one of the, the main issues on that football team last season, if not the number one issue. Uh, they brought in a lot of guys from the junior college ranks in um, – some more project type guys or guys that came in from a, a Missouri state and you can find really good players at those programs. But when you're banking on junior college guys coming in, there's going to be a learning curve there. And so conversely, when you look at it this year, these are guys that started at other FBS programs. And uh, you've got guys like a, a Khalil Benson that has a lot of experience at different positions uh, playing in the Big Ten. Uh, you've got Tyler Johnson coming over from Houston. And you've just, and I think um, Justin Mayers might be one of the more underrated guys just in terms of our transfer ratings on 24-7 sports. I, I think the, the fact that he just was kind of under the radar there at UTEP and uh, is going to be a really good player, has a lot of experience. And so, uh, there's not going to be as big a learning curve with these guys coming into Colorado. And um, you see, I think it was on well-off media where Khalil Benson is really challenging guys in his group already. And, and I, I can't imagine there are more than two or three workouts in at this point. And so the mentality that that group has had, and we've heard coach prime share that story of how uh, they were out just, you know, getting to know each other during their official visit. And somebody said something rude to Shador and those guys, no hesitation uh, had his back. And so, I, I think just the overall group, and you're not going to bat a thousand with, with all the transfers you bring in. You're just, for some reason, going to misevaluate here and there. But that group coming in with the experience that it has uh, seems like uh, it's got a really, it's got a lot of potential. Whereas last year, you're just you're talking a lot about a guy, a lot of guys that didn't have experience starting at the FBS level, and you were maybe questioning a little bit about uh, what that jump was going to be, and uh, it didn't work out. I, 
I'm pretty sure it's going to work out with this group. Um, I don't know what the expectations should be. Should that be, uh, you know, top half of the Pac-12 in terms of offensive line production? Uh, I think you take that uh, even if it's fifth or sixth in the conference because uh, of where the kind of the bar was set coming out of last year, unfortunately. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I, I, you would definitely take that <laughs> coming out. But I think um, just on my evaluation of them, what I think about these guys, you hit it right on the head. Coach Prime has brought in now starters um, on the FBS level and, and playing guys who have uh, NFL grades, should I say, who should be possible draft picks or at least get a chance to play in the NFL. And, and most of them have a third round to the fifth round evaluation on the mayors. Uh, Big Johnson, I like him a lot too at their guard position coming from Houston. Also Big Khalil Benson from Indiana, Mississippi native. I like all of those guys. They have the size and look like the grit and determination. Shout out to uh, Yakiri Walker also, the center. I like what he said on Well Off Media, which which is exactly in line with what I was thinking about him and what I saw on his film, which is his speed. That's his attribute. That's his best attribute is his speed, his quickness to make those blocks and get to the next level. A lot of people kind of underestimate that, but – if you look in the, in the NFL, you'll see centers like that, including uh, uh, Kelsey, who's the center for the Eagles, who I think might be retiring. But he's not a huge type center. He's a guy that, that came into the league based off of his quickness. And I think that's what Walker is. But he's going to have to compete at that center position with Tyler Brown, who had a whole year to get monstrous, who was already considered the strongest guy on the team. So if he was being Tyler Brown in the offseason or during this season while redshirting, so to speak, while sitting out, I feel like he has gotten uh, super strong, stronger, way a lot stronger. Uh, I've been in the, 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 the film room a lot and gotten a grasp of Shermer's playbook, hopefully. So he can be a leader on that line at center. Um, like I said, Benson Mayers. And Johnson, all former starters. The key, I think, will be that left tackle position. Will that be Seaton? Will that be Connor coming back off of an injury, but moving from the right guard spot to the left tackle spot, which he has experience at coming from Florida? So, all in all, you have a lot of competition on that line. You can't forget about Savion Washington, who played well the first half of the season, but had an injury the second half. So, you know, I wouldn't judge him off of that so much of the first half when he was healthy and um, and we have some depth there. Now, if we're looking to add one or two more guys, I can see that happening with so much movement in the transfer portal right now. I still think coach prime has some scholarships left in his back pocket. And I still, I think it's, there's still a lot of interest in Colorado coming from these uh, players from the other schools. So um, we'll see when them pads come on though, <laughs> what the real deal is in the spring. Yeah, I'm glad you brought up guys like Tyler Brown and Savion Washington because I think you, you kind of forget that Savion Washington before that ankle injury last year was was playing pretty darn good football, and Tyler Brown was a guy you projected to be a, a starter a year ago. Um, even Hank Salinskis is somebody that comes in kind of as an unheralded three-star guy uh, that was initially committed to Carl Durrell's staff and. He played uh, quite a bit of reps as a true freshman, uh, and so that signals that he's a guy that you know they're, they're high on for 
his future development. Uh, but yeah, I think uh, a lot of eyes are going to be on Jordan Seaton this spring just to see, uh, can he be that guy from day one? And it, that's, a, that's a lot to ask. And it seems like if anybody can handle that task uh, because of how big and um, just really been impressed with his maturity and some of the things that uh, we've seen um, him say when he was out at the Under Armour next All-American game. And uh, I, I, I think you're going to have a pretty good idea if you're this staff through 15 spring practices. Okay, how close is Jordan Seaton to being ready? And um, even if he is, you still you can't have too much depth on the offensive line, especially coming off last year, uh, because uh, you do want to have probably got 10 guys that you could feel comfortable starting if you had to. Whereas last year they they didn't even have five. And so, uh, yeah, you, you can't have too many of those big guys join the mix. Definitely can. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm excited about seeing them. Uh, and you mentioned Jordan Seaton. I, I guess we I go back one one more time on it. Uh, I did say something about David Conner coming off that injury. He has a lot of talent, so uh, I think that kind of eases the pressure. If you're looking at it from a coaching staff point of view, that eases the pressure of wanting to have and make making sure Seaton is ready to go and being that guy from day one. I think you can say we have a a guy who's still young, also who should be a year in advance, even though he had that pec injury, I still think he should be a little bit more advanced than Jordan Seaton. If he's been putting in that work to, to recover and he knows what to do, I think he can be that guy to where you'll say, okay, if, if the competition is very close, you'll say, I'm going to go with the older guy and it's going to be his spot to lose uh, going into the spring and into the season. But we'll see what happens. And uh, a lot of it, depends on what happens when those pads come on and can they defend uh can they block those defenders coming off the end and we got some coming too but we don't know who will be their coordinator on the defensive side of the ball but i guess we can talk about it who would be <laughs> your top three defensive coordinator options uh i don't know if i we you might have a list already but just off the top right now who would be your top three if you could think about it defensive coordinator options for Coach Prime in Colorado. Yeah, and just to close out on, on David Connor, uh, I think he and Jordan Seaton would be guys you'd, you'd mention as candidates to be uh, first off the bus type guys. Uh, oh, yeah. And it's crazy because one of them is an early enrollee and the other is an underclassman. So uh, size is definitely no issue with either of them. Uh, in terms of the open defensive coordinator position, I don't know about you, it, it kind of feels almost like trying to uh, decipher a riddle a little bit because – um, we saw my colleague, Coach Carl Reed, come out and say that, you know, kind of alluding to the fact that this was going to be a coach that has NFL ties. Um, but then the names being thrown out there, you know, Mike Zimmer, um, Lovey Smith, it, it feels like those could be hires that could be made already, right? And then Coach Prime says in the team meeting and mentioned the fact that there are teams in the NFL still alive in the playoffs. And so uh, they're, they're going to take their time with the process. So um, I'm speculating just like everybody else. I don't imagine there's a whole lot of people that, that are in the inner circle in terms of knowing uh, who he's going to hire there. Um, it, it I, I do like that approach when you're portal recruiting heavy, because a lot of guys in the portal want to kind of get coached up by guys that have that NFL experience. Whereas if you're, generally building your program up with high school recruits 
you probably want guys with more of kind of a background in college, if that makes sense. So um, it would make a lot of sense, I think, for guys wanting to transfer into play for somebody that that has that NFL pedigree. There, there's and even Jim Leonard was thrown out there, and I don't think there were any legs to that. I mean, that would be a great hire based on what he did at Wisconsin. Um, it, it's it's tough to speculate because I'm not a huge NFL guy. So I haven't gone down the list of teams that are still alive in the playoffs and, and look broken down their defense coordinators. Is that something you've looked at at all Chico? Well, you, you, you hit it on the head. I, I didn't do that as of yet, as far as a deep, deep dive into it. I just figure like I've seen people, the names go out there and I know from what I know about coach prime, right. And interviewing him, talking to him, to him. I know he's a guy about relationships. So that's what I've been looking more at about the relationships and guys that he might have a relationship with somehow, some way. I don't think he'll just hire somebody because of the name, especially at this point after, you know, kind of doing that. I wouldn't say doing that last year, but the, with the turnover of the coaching staff this year, I don't think that's ideal for him. He want to bring in guys that would, would want to stay there. You know, even though it's about elevation, he want to bring in guys that would want to stay there. And that starts with a good relationship. Uh, and knowing each other and, and mannerisms. And, you know, so I, I would look at guys like Ken Norton Jr., but he's not in the NFL. So why would you be waiting on him, you know? Yeah. So, but you have a relationship with him, and I think he's primed and ready to be uh, a D.C., and and he'll know how to come in and fit in right along with Coach Prime. Um, another option I was looking at uh, and I read about was people were saying, these are big names, Ed Reed, Ray Lewis, or even Warren Sapp being a defensive coordinator. Now, from what I know, <laughs> personally, being a defensive coordinator, man, uh, you're going to have to be very, very just, just attention to detail, very meticulous, very, you know, uh, you know, on top of things. And if you're a first-year coach, it's kind of hard for me to see you coming in, even if you have all the experience in the world, like Ray Lewis and, and Ed Reed, it's kind of be, it would be hard for me to see you coming in and be, I could be wrong and being a defensive coordinator off the top, not because you can't, but just because of anything you do, you want to kind of get a run at it and go at it first and then see, and then maybe elevate. So, I don't think it'll be those guys. I think it'll be a more experienced guy like a Ken Norton Jr. who who, ever, who has a relationship with. Um, and it's one other guy. I'm, I didn't write it down, but it's slipping my mind. Who's my other defensive coordinator? Oh, he just got signed with the Raiders, uh, Antonio Pierce. That was my other guy, but, you know, he's out of there. So who knows where Coach Prime is going? Uh, it's kind of like a, a guessing game now, and, and like you said, solving a riddle. But you mentioned Zimmer. I think I don't think he wants to bring in one of those older guys. I think he wants to bring in somebody who has that fire, that juice, who can hype the guys up and continue to um, and, and be meticulous, but also be, have that fire and energy to hype them up. Uh, having said that, my long horse, dark horse would be an old guy, and that's Rex Ryan. That's me. <laughs> uh, well. I will say I think that um, whoever gets hired, you hope there's some similarities based on what Charles Kelly was coaching, uh, and, and it's not going to be verbatim. I don't think all the terminology is going to be the same when you hire a new DC, but um, you sometimes see a jump in a defense when they go from 
year one to year two under a new coach and staff. And so uh, you hope they don't have to really start from square one, you know, going into spring ball. Just you'd like to see those guys flying around because when, you know, it, it was not a defense that looks great on paper, but there were, there were a lot of games where they, even though they were giving up some big chunk plays, they, they were still flying around to the ball. They were still uh, creating takeaways. And, and there was an aggressiveness that I liked with that defensive group that, that Charles Kelly put out there. It, it certainly uh, didn't back it up in terms of the final scores, but I, I kind of felt better about that group maybe down the stretch last season. as you So you want to see, I would think, some continuity on that side of the ball. What I would really love to see on the defense side of the football is just run defense. We on, In any defense, if you can't stop the run, man, you're going to have problems. Uh, I think we have the talent in the in the defensive backfield to, to cause turnovers and, and to make plays and to be there. But up front, if we can cause some pressure, that's going to allow those defensive backs to be better. You're going to have some er more errant throws now. You're going to have uh, – you're going to – probably have to uh, cover for shorter times now because the quarterback ha got it, has to get rid of the ball. So I think that front seven, those guys are, are going to be crucial to the success of the defense. And that's why uh, I don't have it up here, but I guess I'll keep this overly up here. Um, talking about the defensive front, I, if that's really when the cliche comes into play where people say, is you know, you never have enough. You never have enough defensive linemen to rotate, in my opinion. So uh, just looking at that front, how do you feel about the front um, coming in? I will say this, last year, and I said it on, on on live, I feel like we were thin up front, and I think it was proven throughout the season. I felt like we were thin uh, in depth and in size-wise. We didn't have that uh, 320 guy who can just plug up the middle. You put in on goal line. Uh, you know it's a run coming, so you put him in. He's going to clog up something and free up your linebackers. How do you feel about the guys we brought in? Shout out to Big Anquan Barnes, uh, Chidozi Wanquo up the middle. Uh, you have also Oaken Lola, Oaken, uh, Lola, who's outside, but mainly the guys up the middle. Mari McNeil returning. Bishop is Bishop there also? That's a question. And um, just let me know your thoughts about the defensive line. Well, yeah. Before before starting with the new guys, uh, it's so key to have Shane Cokes back and yeah. Mari McNeil and. Uh, Cokes didn't put up big stats last year, but uh, he was doing his job. And a lot of times that's going to result in linebackers and other players getting the stats. And I thought he was maybe a little underrated uh, because people were expecting you know, sacks from him. And, and that's probably not really going to be his game at Colorado, the way he's asked to play. Um, but Amari McNeil was maybe the most improved guy from the start of last season to the end, or at least on a very short list of guys that had really made a big jump. So um, you don't have to completely reload that group and you just kind of add to it. And Chidozi Wonkwo, I mean, what he did at, at Houston, uh, he, he he's going to be battling for a starting job for, right away. And Quincy Wiggins was the number one ranked player coming out of the state of Louisiana. And it sounded like he was going to start to kind of take take that jump. You mentioned Samuel Okalola. He was starting to make that jump at Pitts. So you have guys coming in that were uh, the, the fan bases of those schools that 
that they left were pretty bummed to see them because yeah. they, they you know saw that these were a couple guys that were on the precipice of really jumping into a big role. Wiggins is just a physical specimen and, and um, is another guy that uh, brings some versatility in there with his length. And so uh, th- there's a lot in it kind of goes back to the O-line and in probably most positions as we analyze things now, it's there's just so many more guys that you could point to and go, I could see him starting uh, for for reasons X, Y, and Z. And it felt like last year there were guys that you thought were starting caliber, but it wasn't anywhere near as deep as it is right now. And so uh, to your point, yeah, and, and I don't. there's not a position on a football team that rotates more than those guys. So you, you got to have depth on, on the defensive line. And, um, and you bring in Brandon Davis-Swain and Eric Brantley Jr. as early enrollees, and it's hard to throw too much on a true freshman, but – and they're not super long guys, but their production in high school was off the charts, both those guys. Yeah. Uh, and so I, it wouldn't shock me if, if you know, they kind of threatened to get in, in the rotation as well. And we still haven't even mentioned everybody in that group, you know, a Chaz Wallace, a JJ Hawkins, um, you mentioned Bishop Tom. So it's, it's just so many guys to talk about. Whereas a year, it was a year ago it was, well, here's a handful of guys and, and we, we, couldn't say with definitive uh, statements at this point who would start, but you kind of had a feeling there's a lot of spots on this team. I have no idea. I don't have no idea who this team's leading receiver is going to be. There's going to be a lot of competition at a lot of spots. Yes. And I, I like to see that. And Quinn Barnes and Wiggins, as you mentioned, are two guys you can have walk off the bus first. Also, you know, big time, good looking guys coming from the sec. Um, I would like to see, honestly, just from my experience, once again, I still would like to say, I don't think we're, we're done as far as uh, recruiting and bringing in other guys. But I would like to see, as far as the defensive line go, just maybe two more guys that look like uh, Barnes or bigger, you know, because I'm a big, big, big run stuffer, run defending type guy. You have to do that unless you're just going to get gashed away, you know, and that's just uh, my thoughts about it. I think we can add a couple of more guys on that. You think there's two more guys out there we could bring in? Is that a possibility? Well, yeah, I think everybody kind of wants to know the set roster at this point. We have to keep remembering that there is going to be this spring transfer window as well. And um, I don't think it was official that there was speculation that they were going to allow multiple transfers with, with the exception. Uh, but I don't think that was official. Um, was it But by the time the, the winter portal period ended for most schools. Um, and so you might have some guys that uh, didn't think they don't want to risk it. Uh, they didn't want to have to get somewhere and not be eligible to play right away. And it sounds like it's going to be pretty universal that guys are going to have that ability to do that. So the spring window could be crazy again. And so you, you want to actually have some flexibility in there and there's going to naturally be attrition guys that just don't uh, feel great about their staying on the team coming out of spring ball. And that opens up some spots. So, uh, it, it really is nonstop, uh, but uh, I think there's going to be fairly heavy movement in, in the spring, and uh, it certainly wouldn't surprise me if they, they bring another defensive lineman in. Yeah, definitely. I think that movement is definitely coming in the spring uh, with all of these, um, you know, ripple effects from Nick Saban leaving and retiring, uh, schools being affected, players now open and able to leave and a bunch of different recruiting and things of that nature going on. And um, and once you get into recruiting, you know, the good, the bad, and the ugly can come out. 
And we saw Coach Prime talking about this week that there's been recruits and guys that, that have signed that's coming back showing him the receipts of coaches speaking, you know, bad about him. He They have it recorded. And Coach Prime said, hey, man, when these recruits come into your office and stuff, and nowadays the technology and these phones can be on, you better watch what you say. He said he's had to make some calls and, and talk to these coaches personally and tell them about this stuff and say, watch your mouth is what he's basically said. What do you feel about that? I'll bring this question up. Should, should coaches mention other schools when – recruiting should that even be a thing they shouldn't in in the number reason why is because it, it's going to backfire more times than not uh you mentioned that you know some of these conversations have been recorded and um we heard jordan seaton mentioned uh that a coach asked him why are you going to colorado you want to be a famous rapper and that that's just disrespectful and, and it didn't help you so so why even go down that path i i definitely i don't think that tearing down coach prime while he's trying to build a Colorado is, is going to breed positive results for coaches that want to do that. So, um, and yeah, I think that, uh, most, even though they're, they're young men that, that are going through this recruiting process, most of them can, can cut through the BS, you know, and that's one thing is I, I kind of give the younger generation because they, they've been communicating since a younger age, you know, on their tablets and, I feel like they have a better BS gauge at times. And so it probably just is, is a dumb idea to, to begin with. And so uh, that's kind of where I come out on that. It, it, but it's got to be frustrating uh, if you're a Colorado coach and, and you're trying to uh, take the high ground and, and not give into this uh, and you're having this stuff said behind your back because um, you will have to kind of offset some of that by, by having conversations with these young men. But um I would say knock it off because I don't think it's going to help you out all that much. What do you think? No, nah, it's definitely not going to help you out. I think it just goes back to uh, e even high school, middle school, whatever. When you're trying to get a girlfriend, you know, you don't go to the girl and say, hey, you know, the guy you're dating with, you know, he's over there talking to another girl. Or the, the guy you're dating, he, why are you bringing up the guy that she's dating? Go in there with your game. Go with your pitch, <laughs> you know. And yeah. in that way, it is there's there's no possibility of backfiring. There's no possibility of the guy finding out coming trying to, you know, having to have a phone call with you like Coach Prime had to do with these coaches, and they don't realize that hurts them in the long run because coaching and opportunities, as I said earlier, is all about relationships. So you're burning bridges and showing your your true colors, so to speak, when you're telling these kids hey you want to be a rapper oh okay anything in anybody in my circle we're not going to have anything to do with that type of guy and that type of character over there so w whatever bridge is coming over this way that he got has to cross they won't be crossed dog unless you're going to have to deal with me first of all you're going to have to get this work <laughs> first of all and i think that's what coach prime is with it and i don't think that's that should be tolerated in in any case and any player like you said uh, the BS meter is up, and they should see this. And I think anybody, anybody, any player coming out wouldn't fall for that type of recruiting tactic anyway. It's kind of a bummer that that Oregon's not on Colorado's schedule in the future, isn't it? It'd be, it'd be right. fun for Coach Prime to – and he said everything about Coach Lanning uh, 
was classy. He didn't have any negative words for him with that, but I think uh, the Colorado fan base has built up a lot of animosity. And I don't know if that's the, the same coach that was telling Jordan Seaton uh, about possibly wanting to be a famous rapper, but uh, that just came to my mind and, and it's too bad that uh, they're not going to get a chance to, to get that rematch with, with landing up there. Right. Cause I know coach prime got one in his back pocket where he's saying I owe him. And he <laughs> some type of way we're gonna we're gonna see him soon. And you never know, bowl game, playoff game with a 12 team playoff coming up. You know, I how ex you have more knowledge on this probably and, and probably even more experience with this. How do you feel about the 12 team playoff and how can it really help uh and benefit Colorado? Yeah, I I love it and you know the one of the main arguments against is, well, it takes away from the other bowl games. You know, the honest truth is most people aren't tuning in uh, to, to most of those bowl games regardless. And uh, the people that are watching them, it's kind of the sports betting industry, which is really helping some of those lower tier bowls. And you can still have it for that reason. I don't think your, your viewership is really going to struggle. Uh, most of those stadiums don't have very many people in the stands. And so um, I don't think it takes away a whole lot there. And, and I do still want to see it limited and never grow beyond 12, though, because then it still kind of keeps uh, the week-to-week -week meaning in, in college football. And it's probably not going to feel great when five SEC teams get into it. And then you could point to it and say, well, I guess the regular season doesn't matter as much. But uh, for, you know, for all those teams, it, it is going to matter. You're only, But you're just going to be allowed a little bit more of a slip-up now than you would in the past. And I, I think it just keeps more fan bases and engaged. And, um, and with Florida State going undefeated, scheduling two SEC non-conference opponents and to not get into the playoff, I mean, I, that would be the biggest argument right there. Is there. There shouldn't be a situation like that happening in college football going forward. And, um, yeah, I know the 13th-ranked team next year is going to be complaining, and you're still going to have those debates. But uh, I think anybody in – below 10 is probably going to have a hard time arguing that they, they they should be happy that they were even kind of in the mix. Right, right. It won't be anyone at the 13th. Got, well, we, we should we could have been national champs, you know. That somehow you you will get in. If not, then you probably wasn't deserving too. So I think it is a, a better system, and uh, that way football will determine this. And it'll be, it'll be very easy to slap a, a sponsorship name or a bowl name on those on each of those playoff games so that money will still be there uh to be made uh before we uh wind down here we got a few more things to talk about you you, you had an article on uh buffstampede.com your website and where you're talking about the new addition to colorado with herman smith the third becoming uh officially above reuniting with coach prime i'll tell you real quick my thoughts on it uh, being that I watched him at Jackson State, uh, I saw him coming out of uh, Lincoln High School out in California. I felt like he was a a, a big grab for Jackson State. I think he was a highly ranked, uh, top ranked three star. Some sites maybe had him uh, possibly being a four star, but he chose to go to Jackson State with Coach Prime, guy coming from a great family, uh, and and he came in. You could see his development at Jackson State as he went on, began to make plays on special teams. Um, and then also, you know, thanks to well-off media, we were able to see a lot more than a lot of people would see. Uh, he made some plays in that defensive backfield. Uh, then he ended up going to Idaho State, uh, did well there. I don't have his exact stats, but he played well there also. Now he's deciding to come, and he's at Colorado. 
that addition there, the camaraderie there, the chemistry there, how do you feel like, and uh, based off your article also, how do you feel like this helps Colorado? Yeah, just the initial reaction, and and I didn't have you know the chance to to cover him the way you did during his time at Jackson State. So it was um, just trying to research him as much as I could, and uh, his versatility stood out. Uh, not not only special teams, he played on five of six special teams units uh, at both Jackson State and Idaho State. So uh, somebody that is going to be a real valuable piece there, but also versatility in the in the defensive backfield, a guy that can play uh, different. Both safety spots, he can play nickelback. Um, Colorado probably has enough depth at cornerback that they they're not really going to need him at that spot. But uh, he can play in different spots in there. And so when you're you're talking about a, a depth piece, you're going to bring in to compete and, and to be a big part of your special teams. Uh, you like that he could kind of factor in at different spots. And so um, and then obviously him being at Jackson State, you go well. Coach Prime had that experience, and, and he values this guy. Uh, and wants to bring him into his locker room. So uh, you would assume, you know, as you confirm, kind of the character piece checks out there as well. So um, not every guy you add to a, a recruiting class is going to be Travis Hunter. You need guys that are going to play different roles on your football team. And uh, that was the thing that stood out to me about him is Herman Smith the, the third is that he's going to be uh, playing a lot of different roles in this team in 2024. Yeah, I, I, like you said, a depth piece, but also a very versatile guy at the safety spot. Can play both safety positions and come up and hit like a linebacker, a uh, good tackler in space, and um, improved as he went on Jackson State and at Idaho State as a, a, a pass coverage guy. So I like the piece a lot. Um, I was hoping he would go straight to Colorado from Jackson State, but he ended up going to Idaho State, like I said. And so now he's back, and I think this is a great addition for Colorado, whether it's a walk-on or a scholarship spot, um, a great addition for, for Colorado and Coach Prime. Let's Definitely. see. Are we, uh, I guess we can address the elephant in the room for this week uh, before we go on to spring football and it up there. Uh, the elephant in the room for this week, I guess the top story for the week, was that Shiloh and Shador wasn't at the uh, official uh, first meeting they were in Paris on a runway for Louis Vuitton and the launch of, I think it was Pharrell Williams, uh, Louis Vuitton collaboration out in Paris, France. And um, just, you know, you saw the internet going crazy. They should be, they should be um, in Colorado. How are you going to miss the first meeting? Everybody has in their opinion on it. And now they're back and it's like, they never missed anything. And they're now they're practicing and, you know, I guess people forgot about them being there now. So what's the deal? Was that a big deal for them being there? What's the significance of them being there? Um, you know, just talk about the whole scenario. What do you feel about it? Well, I understand why people would have the reaction of you have to be at that meeting. You can't skip that. But to me, covering Colorado, it, it lacks perspective in the sense that Coach Prime doesn't do the same, operate the exact same way as the 130 other FBS head coaches. And that's part of the reason that, that guys want to play for him is that when they have an opportunity to take advantage of the, the spotlight, um, you know, he's willing to do that. And uh, then, you know, somebody will mention the fact that, well, it's because of their, their last name. And it's like, well, 
yeah, Shiloh Sanders, I think, was their second best graded defensive player by Pro Football Focus last year. Shadur Sanders uh, was among the best, most accurate quarterbacks in the country. Um, and by all accounts, they're hardworking guys. So uh, I'm having a hard time following along with the criticism as you kind of delve deeper into it. And it just, I don't know, I, I think as a Colorado fan, it doesn't bother me because I mentioned this before. You, a year and a half ago, people wouldn't wear their CU stuff. Now you, it's kind of a fashion statement uh, to wear CU stuff now. And, right. you know, the exposure in, in getting out in front of people that aren't your typical college football fan grows your brand. Uh, we've seen what, it, what it's done for the, the local economy and that, that stuff matters. And, and, um, you know, I don't quite understand all that stuff as a 44 year old guy, but like, I also understand what my, what my kids are into. And, uh, it, it's, I thought it was a cool experience for them to go through had they been gone much longer than maybe you start to question a little bit, but, um, yeah, I, I look at it, the perspective of where Colorado was when coach prime got here. Um, and even though they went four and eight last year, I don't think there's another person on this planet that could have gotten the amount of excitement that, that coach prime's built in these last 13, 14 months. Uh, and so why are you going to get up in arms about two guys taking advantage of, of a really cool opportunity and something in fashion that they, they have a strong interest in I, I, To me, if you want to criticize it, it's fine, but some people were acting like it was the end of the world in that part of it. I didn't get. Yeah. You hit it. If you want to criticize it, it's fine. That's up to you. Do your thing. But, um, I would say this, as being part of a team, I think I live by this right here. Everybody gets treated fairly, but everybody doesn't get treated the same. Does that make sense? You know, mm -hmm. and that's because I I had him on yesterday. We did an interview with Roddy White and my quarterback, Daryl Hackney. If you come to tell me that Daryl Hackney was treated the same as everybody else on the football team, then you're crazy. If I treated my little league quarterback the same that I treated everybody on my football on, on my little league football team, then you're crazy. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen anywhere. Any good, successful team and coach, you treat everybody fairly, but you don't treat everybody the same because it, even with your kids, dog, just think about it, you know? So I would say whoever criticized, let them criticize it, but I understand what Coach Prime allowed them to do. I understand, like you said, growing that brand uh, internationally, and it being now uh, indirectly with them being there, globally recognized, uh, you know, just by them being there in that fashion show, it helps them out. More eyeballs. It helps with even more. People don't feel, feel like it, but it helps with recruiting. The more people see you, the more it helps with recruiting. Quick example. Uh, one guy said, how is Coach Prime being on Good Morning America helping with recruiting? I said, hmm. He said, no 16-year-old is watching that. I said, you're correct. Maybe no 16-year-old is watching it. But guess who is watching it? The parents of that 16-year-old. Prime parents. There's the, there's the plug. <laughs> Shout out to Prime parents. Yeah, watch Prime parents. <laughs> Hit the link below. But definitely, the parents are watching it. And those are the people who help make those decisions for those kids. And it's not just recruiting kids. You're recruiting families nowadays, right? Yeah, no question. Uh, it's, it, I think part of it comes down to, it's just 
different than the norm. And so people have a hard time just taking a se second, taking a step back and kind of looking at all sides of the situation. It's like, you just yeah. want to, well, that, that's just not how it's done. And it's like, well, okay, why is it not done? And why is it done in this case? Uh, and so, yeah, that that's the, the part that I, I was driving around running errands a couple times with local sports talk radio, and that was the, the topic on all the stations. And it's like, really, there, there's nothing better to talk about on the radio out here. And that now sounds hypocritical because we're talking about it on the podcast. But I, I feel like we're having to talk about it more as a reaction to other people's outrage, which uh, it, it's fine. Like you said, it's their, their opinion. And uh, it just it seems a little over the top in terms of their reaction. Yeah, a little over the top. They're going to want to find any and everything to try to criticize Coach Prime for anyway. You know, you said they couldn't do this, and now you're allowing them to do it. Uh-oh, uh-oh. You know, ah, come on, man. These guys in Paris doing their thing, and uh, I, I liked it. I love the opportunity. I love the look, and I like what it brings, you know, to, to Colorado, to the whole situation, and Coach Prime and what he's doing. I think more opportunities like this are to come, and, um, you know, these guys – even Coach Prime said, you want to get paid like pros, but you don't want to get treated like pros. You got to, come on, dog. You got to take your pick. <laughs> you know what I mean? You can't have both of them. So uh, shout out to them for doing that. And I think that was a great opportunity for them. And uh, they're back at it like they never left right now. So, all right. Final topic I guess we can discuss is two, two things uh most excited about this spring for you i guess i can start this one off and you'll finish it off for us but i'll say it's two things i'm most excited about um will be to see that new offensive line uh take hold and form together and uh and and, and protect shadur sanders shout out to dt2 as mama benson said don't touch two that's what they're forming and i like that um you know you, you gotta have to form top, some type of bun to come together and work together as an offensive line um, on a football team because I think that's the most cohesive unit. It has to be the most cohesive unit on a football team to work together to protect the quarterback and open those run lanes. So uh, I'm excited to see the offensive line work together, all of the new guys come together and how they're going to, um, I guess, just just fall into place. You know, who's going to take that lead? Who's going to be those that, that big dog amongst the dogs out there on the football field? You know, will Tyler Brown be that center? Will Jordan Seaton? You know, and will these other guys step up and, and play the role? So I'm excited about the offensive line. And I guess I'm excited about the defensive line, too, because I'm a trenches guy, like I said before. I want to see those two uh, go at it and battle. And will Coach Sapp be there? You know, will he be there to coach Shadozi Wonkwo, uh, Anquin Barnes, Amari McNeil, Shane Cox, and those guys? Will he be there? I'm excited to see that. Um, and I'm excited about possibly even being there this spring. We'll talk about that later on, though. So <laughs> two things you're excited about. Well, if we get a chance to go in and watch any of spring ball, you got to just start with Travis Hunter from the simple fact that our opportunities of watching him play in a, in a Colorado uniform are pretty limited. Um, and Shadur Sanders is along the same lines, but we just haven't seen a two-way guy like this in college football. Um, and unfortunately, because of the injury, it didn't feel like, uh, you know, the momentum nationally in terms of the, the eyeballs on him, obviously a slowdown as last season went, but um, it's crazy to say this, he, his potential is even greater than what he did this past season. 
Uh, and, and there were actually, you know, a, a couple calls that went against him that looked like they should have been touchdowns. There were a couple of plays where he probably makes, even though it's a really, really challenging play, uh, but didn't quite come up with it. And so, um, as long as he's in Colorado, I think, uh, and I get a chance to watch any practices, that, that's uh, the thing I'm most excited about. But uh, sticking with another skill guy, Alton McCaskill, the fourth. Uh, I'm excited to, to – is this the running back we see on film at Houston his freshman year? Because that was pretty special stuff. Right. And uh, it just felt like maybe – and this is what the coaches seem to think, is that there's just kind of a hurdle that – you need to dial it back before you rev it back up, but it, it seemed like it was going to be full go this spring. And so uh, that is another thing I, I'm really looking forward to. And then defensively, I don't have to, I would imagine either of us don't have to get asked the question anymore who this team's defense coordinator is. You'd think by then that they'll have somebody in charge. So I'm excited about that. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Last thing, you know what? Uh, and go back uh, real quick. Uh, Alden McCaskey, I'm definitely excited about him. And that leads me into to our actually our final thing. I thought that was our this is our final thing right here, and that's going to lead me into it. The keys for Shador Sanders to win that Heisman Trophy, and I think it goes back to that running game, to Alton McCaskill, to that offensive line to protect him. But main thing is to open up that run game. If he has a run game, that's going to lead to he's going to do his thing. You know, but if he has a run game, I think that's going to lead to victories for us. With victories come those Heisman Trophy winners. He's going to have the numbers. He's going to do that. With the run game, the wins will come. That's my key for Shador Sanders uh, to win the Heisman Trophy is Alton McCaskill in that run game. And I say Alton, it could be anybody back there, but I think he's going to be that guy, that different, that difference maker. If he could be, like you said, the guy on film that we saw at Houston, run for those double-digit touchdowns, pick up those blitzes, be an explosive guy that nobody wants to hit, has that confidence when running, not worried about the knee. If he can do that and the offensive line can protect, Shador Sanders is, is, is a shoe-in for the Heisman Trophy. One person has something to say about that, and he wears number 12 on both sides of the ball, though. <laughs> yeah, I like it. Uh, that was there – were, there were a lot of issues with the protection last year, but to your point, when other teams knew that Colorado just had no threat on the ground, it's so hard to block guys that just have their ears pinned back. And, you know, and so, yeah, that, that's a great point. I, I was going to cheat and go – left tackle, left guard, center, right guard, right tackle in terms of the, the keys for Shador Sanders, as well as uh, protection from the uh, the skill guys. But no, it, it really, it comes down to balance and it comes down to protection because I don't think there's any question when you look at the guys that they brought into an already solid receivers room, LeJonte, LeJonte Wester and Will Shepard and Terrell Timmons Jr. And I have no questions about that group providing Shadur with a, a ton of weapons and Medaira at tight end. I, I think they've got the pieces um, in terms of the, the pass catching talent that I don't even worry about that. It's it's the protection and, and to your point, like you said, the, the kind of the balanced attack to be able to keep defenses honest. Yes, indeed, and uh, I'm a hundred percent with that. I believe um, that the receivers are going to be there, but one more key offensive coordinator 
because all those guys can be there making those plays and ready and ready for action. But the offensive coordinator has to set the tone, call the plays, um, and be balanced and not be predictable in the uh, play calling to where it gives the offense a chance to do their thing. So um, I guess we could, you know, that'll be the, the, the final thing we'll wrap it up on. Uh, I want to say thank you for, for coming on and uh, and coming together and doing this. This is not me interviewing Adam, guys. This is us doing this show together. This is new. Buff them updates. Buff them updates with Adam and Chico. Uh, Adam, your, your last words, you want to say anything? Well, you know, I just that was a lot of fun, and hopefully, uh, we can keep this thing growing and, and get more, you know, fan participation out there as we go forward. Because uh, uh, there's going to be so much to talk about in the coming months. Uh, before you know, it, we'll be in spring ball and we'll be talking about practices. So, uh, really enjoy getting your background as as well, Chico. And again, I, I'm going to tell everybody they got to get into the Prime Parent series. That, that that's a lot of fun. Oh man, I appreciate that plug. Thank you very much. Uh, that's what. I want I want real quick, I wanted to bring that up so that uh I wanted to bring that bring that show about and create that so that uh we can have a different insight and perspective on these players that's coming in. You know, a lot of people are watching them on Well Off and other uh reach the people media and the pregame show and other networks and stuff, but they really like where who is that guy? Where has he come from? And well, the parents will tell you exactly what you want to know. And then you can listen to them and, oh, I understand. Oh, that's like my mom. Oh, that's like my auntie. And I have a vested interest. I like this kid now. I want to buy his jersey now. And hopefully, you know, after coming on Prime Parents and I put their link there, their jersey sale increases. They get some NIL money in their pocket. You know, it helps out the player. Hopefully it helps out uh, the, the fan to learn the player. Hopefully it helps out Coach Prime and them uh, with recruiting you know, at the end of the day to get better players in there and more success for a coach in Colorado. So that's what I'm doing it for. And, and we're coming together to do this Buff'em Updates to do the same thing in essence. And I appreciate you um, even uh, doing, you know, open to do this with me. And I look forward to doing it even more in the future. Uh, each and every week, we're looking to come on uh, at least with the things and, and summarize all the topics for the week in Colorado Buff football and Coach Prime News. So, having said that, I'm Big Dog Chico. This is my man, Adam. What's your nickname? Tell me your nickname, Adam. The, my nickname is The Cheese Cat, and you just got to look at my last name because uh, I tell people that have a hard time pronouncing my last name. It's it's like the uh, the cheese and the big cat, and that, that stuck with me uh, growing up. Months I, I, don't, I don't even really like cats, but it's oh, the no. nickname. Monster Tiger, right? Or Monster, Monster Tiger. Monster Tiger. That's German, no? Yep. Oh, I got it right. I used to live in Austria. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> All right, guys. Hey, thank you guys for joining in. Everybody out there, I appreciate you. Uh, we have more to come. This is Buff em Updates with Adam and Chico. We're going to be up and about this land. Peace and the Yeah.